So, okay, now we're recording, so don't tell any. In a world where people strive to conquer the digital landscape, the best leaders are moving forward and planting flags. This is the Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast, where you can hear about the thrill of digital victory and the industry's best guidance on how to win with your host, Michael O'Sullivan. Hey folks, welcome back to the all new Oil & Gas Digital Doers podcast. Right here on the Oil & Gas Global Network, uh, this is of course where we talk about Getting Digital Done. And this episode and every episode in this show is brought to you by our very good friends at Top Coder. Uh, we love those guys at Top Coder. They do, uh, they do fantastic stuff. If you're not familiar with something called open talent models, then uh, you, need to, you need to understand open talent models. It might actually be the thing that helps you get your digital plans moving forward. So check out topcoder.com. We love our sponsors at OGGM because without them, there is no us. And uh, we appreciate them paying the bills, uh, but we also we, we love the work that they do. So, uh, so, so check out, show, show some love to our friends at Topcoder. Um, I got a great guest today. We're going we're gonna to talk about uh, some, some areas of digital transformation that maybe haven't gotten as much uh, attention. Uh, but first, uh, I got to say, I got I gotta a couple things to mention. One is, uh, thanks to our listeners, because this is a brand new show, and uh, we're getting it off. I, I, I know I'm still saying it's brand new. It is, it's still relatively new. I think we got like 15, 16 episodes behind us now, and... Um, and so thanks to all the listeners who are helping us get it off the ground. Uh, if, you, if you like it, if, you, if, if you're enjoying the show, then you should, you should tell someone else about it so that our audience will continue to grow. And if, and if you don't like it, then I don't know why you're listening right now. So, uh, so tell people about this and all the other new OGGN shows, which you can learn about on the OGGN website, which is coincidentally OGGN.com. One other thing is that uh, we are here today at the Fabulous Cannon on the west side of Houston, where the sun is always shining and the birds are always singing and the people are always happy. Um, and we, and, and we have, and now we can, there's an even better way for you to get in on that happiness here at the Canon, because if you come, if you come to this location or any of the Canon locations uh, in Houston and you say that you heard about it on OGGN, then you will get a free day pass. So what could be better than that? Um, especially if you're, if you're still stuck behind those zoom calls and your dog is staring at you while you work, Come to the Canon, try it out, and uh, get that free day pass. Another great thing that is happening at the Canon is the OGGN legendary happy hours have resumed on the last Thursday of every month. And depending on when you hear this, uh, you may, depending on when this episode uh, drops, uh, you, maybe you can catch the July 29th happy hour. And if you missed that one, then look for the one uh, at the end of August. But uh, they're a great time. There's food, there's drinks, there's always a good panel discussion. And uh, you get to hang out with people in the industry. Uh, so it's a good time. All right, enough of that. Uh, have today sitting here with me at the Fabulous Canon is Mr. Akash Sharma from Inveris. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming. It's raining and everything today. Yeah, and you, thank you so and much you for having me. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good. And when is it going to stop raining in Houston? That's the the question. I think the last time I checked, it was raining, and then. Uh Every time I think I've checked since June, it's basically it, it, been raining. Like I don't it, know. <laughs> it's it's I I know I, I I feel like somebody transported me to Seattle. While yeah, I it's like a sadder like, version of hurricane season. I'm fine with sunshine and storms, but this is just it's, rain. It's just rain yeah, every yeah. day, every day. So uh, so if any of you are planning to visit Houston, now is not the perfect time. <laughs> but uh, hopefully we'll be through this uh, soon. All right. So Akash, you are um, uh, 
So you're from Inveris, which for those of for those following along at home used to be known as Drilling Info. Yes. Um, when did the Inveris uh, thing? When did it? That was that was three years ago. Uh, yeah, years? I believe the Inveris branding was uh, 2019. 20, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Around that time, it, there were so many different acquisitions that were happening that we believe that the name Drilling Info just wasn't cutting yeah, it from a standpoint really. of what we do. You kept the green though. We did keep the green. You kept the green. I, I like that color personally. Yeah, I like the theme. So. And, and, and you've been with. Uh, Back to drilling info yes. for five I, five years. Or yeah, something like I joined. Uh, I joined in 2016, early 2016. Well, that was an exciting time. To that was a great <laughs> time to graduate, and <laughs> and I joined then drilling info in Austin. I, re- I remember 2016. Uh, that was what I refer to as the year of drinking lunches because <laughs> there was there was nothing else oh, to do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So um, and 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 so you and and, and now. You're uh, you're the product director for this thing called Open Insights, Absolutely. right? Has that been your project from the beginning, or uh, what, what? What what did you? Uh, no, so I, I joined Drilling Info after I finished my master's from the University of Houston, go Cougs, and uh, yeah. joined Drilling Info as a data analyst in, in the Austin office. And I was involved with their DI analytics platform, which does a lot of, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, yeah, the exploratory free data analysis, you know, data upgradation cleaning. And so I was much more focused on upstream, given that I'm a petroleum engineer. But one thing that I... Ah, I'm, okay. Yes. So it's all coming together now. <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. And so, <laughs> but like, given that, uh, you know, I've had that... Um, with drilling info, I was part of this crazy time going from a 200-person company to a 2,000-person company. I've been very lucky to be given a chance to work on a variety of different projects. Yeah, so yeah. So went from like working on upstream to other stuff, and Open Insights. I uh, started working about a year and a half ago. Okay. Uh, around the time when we acquired Oildex in right, late right, 2018. Right. Yeah, we talked about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's when I started working on this piece. Cool. Yeah, that's of, of course. Yeah, because. Uh, because five years ago you didn't have open insights, but so all right. So let me, but let me back up, because um, I didn't catch this when we were when we were chatting earlier. But you graduated school as a petroleum engineer in mm-hmm. 2016, 2015. Yeah, December 2015. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that statement itself we can laugh about. It. <laughs> okay. Yeah. At that moment, what? what let's what? see. So that means. So that means you started. You decided you wanted to be a petroleum engineer or something like four or five years before that. Oh, that was my grad school. So 2013, when oil was like uh, 95, yeah. and yeah, people sure. were saying right. that, you know, I think a BP came out with a statement about Mad Dog. You were too. like, I gotta get some. I of was that. like, this right. is just, yeah. Yeah. this is great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, and then all of a sudden it wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah, and and you know it's funny because we talk about this a lot, um, but this is part of the digital transformation mm-hmm. story in oil and gas, which, um, and and Mark Lacour and I we also kind of have this roadshow that we do where we go to, you know, well like sometimes like we're the entertainment for somebody's management boondoggle, right? Yeah. And and we talk about like the history of the industry. He he, and, and then I I look more at like what's happened in the last. 10 years, 20 years, particularly as it relates to the, the innovation and adoption of new technology. And a big piece of what drove the, the seriousness about digital transformation in the last three plus years was the fact that we didn't, hadn't really recovered from, like, like financially, mm-hmm. economically, we hadn't really recovered from 2014, 2015, right? Oh, absolutely. We were still, yeah. yeah. COVID was a bluebird event, but, you know, you take out of that, we're still in that trough of that 2014, 15 crash. I mean, so a lot, most operators figured out, even, you know, even in, even in the unconventionals, um, uh, they used a lot of traditional 
what I would call like the like the, the, the mechanical methods of belt tightening, right? Mm -hmm. Like trimming their operations and saving money. And so they said, okay, now we, now we can break even or maybe even make a little bit of money on, yeah. on $50 crude or $60 crude. But like that wasn't good enough for the investment community, mm -hmm. right? So they still had to, so there was still a push to uh, change the economics. Oh, uh, absolutely. Even, even before we had this, this COVID, COVID And, and that, that's something that's been driving, uh, you know, with the, with the pressure that comes from the ESG and environmental impact that right, the industry that. provides, yeah. we have that, right? And of course, the uh, the free cash flow focus, or shale 3.0, you know, the idea of fiscally responsible operations, uh, that's been driving a lot of operators. That <laughs> it's, it's funny that we have to come up with a, a term for that. Like, yeah. like, like fiscally responsible operations needs to have a name. Exactly. It's not it just like, something that we like, do well, automatically. Good, good ROI. You need to have an ROI on your company. It's like, oh, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> Let right, me just yeah. <laughs> put a bullet point in my presentation. That's right. But, but the advantage of that is, uh, you know, it, it shows you, A, just the capital potential of this industry that we didn't have that as a guiding principle or right. like the principle and right. we were still, you know, bringing a lot of value to the investors in these companies. Yes, But yes. with this volatility now, that's just the thing to focus on. Right, so people, so people started, um, yeah, so when they ran out of like mechanical levers that they could pull mm -hmm. to, um, to create more shareholder value, yeah. right? Core they, acreage and like super spec and rigs and right, all that. Then they were like, "Well, I guess we better take this digital stuff seriously," um, which was a great opportunity for people like you who Absolutely. who th there was no petroleum engineering to be done, so yeah. you went to a data company. Um, so let's. Uh, so I, I want to come back to that uh, because I think that kind of flows into the story that we want to talk about. But just for context, mm -hmm. a little bit about. Um, uh, uh, open Insights, like what? what is it exactly? So uh, Open Insights as a product sits on top of our uh, sort of standard uh, open invoice or legacy open invoice platform. Mm -hmm. And Open Invoice is where almost 80% of North American oil and gas operational spend flows through. So through invoicing, ticketing, all of these things, right? So Open Insights takes that, you know, Amazon river of data flow yeah, yeah. and upgrades that and provides it in a way that brings a lot of value to our customers, both from a standpoint of understanding their own business better, but also understanding uh, regional and granular marketplaces. Yeah, so it's interesting because it's something that maybe, uh, maybe not everybody is aware that all that supply side, invoice transactions, um, it, it, you know, you might think that it all just lives within the the four walls of each company, mm -hmm. right? But actually, all that data is is is, yeah. is brought together in this this river uh, exactly. that you're talking like about. Like it's almost like you know they have their streams and they have their almost like pumps from that river which yeah, yeah. they control. But right. the central river repository holds the. The, the security aspect of all of those things and the you know privacy right. of the data that's all maintained by the central stream and and all that so and all that is managed by by somebody right like who 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 oh the open invoice and the data flow that that's we manage that you manage that the okay. the uh, is now business automation division okay but how, so, but how does all of the how does all of the data from um, and this is maybe a conversation for the tech show, and we'll, we'll, mm -hmm. we'll do that one later. But just just quickly, how does the data get from my my SAP system into your river? Okay, so uh, invoicing and ticketing sits before SAP, right? And SAP has a segment of Reba, which is a competitor of ours. Right, right. But their ERP system is a later stage of this. So you are XYZ's uh, service company, 
you got an order to do a particular task for ABC operator, right? So you get that ticket. That ticket, instead of writing a paper, gets seven signatures. We have an open ticket platform. You just do it online, and it gets I got processed. You. Okay. So that's where the data starts coming in. Similarly, invoices, when all those tickets are put together, converted to invoice to be submitted to the operator to be paid, right. all of those invoices also flow through our system, and then the operators can review them, audit them, you know, categorize them in their own accounting systems and pay them off all on our platform. Right. So that's how the data starts flowing. Gotcha. And, and, that, and that was the, the, the oil decks acquisition exactly. was what And then of course all of that data Because they, they had a big they had a lot of market share in that in that area, right? The, in right. the invoicing right. space, yeah. 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 And okay. then they'll take that data and put it in an ERP like Oracle or Yeah, something. gotcha. Okay, so there's a, so this is interesting because um, this is another case of uh, where in the industry where there's there's massive amounts of data that exists mm -hmm. for the purpose of servicing whatever process it fun or function it services but taken together all of that data creates an opportunity for digital transformation in the sense of what else can we do with that data to improve and, and it's the same thing that's happening right like on the on the on the tech show we talk a lot about um, about what's happening at the edge and what's happening in process control environments and what's happening in all of these, uh, you know, out uh, w where, you know, in refineries and, um, you know, or on, or on drilling platforms or at FPSOs, all of these places where there's massive amounts of data that's been getting produced. It's been getting produced for a long time. Absolutely. And, and, it's, and it's used specifically for the processes that it supports. And mm -hmm. then somebody came along and said, hey, what if we could get out all that data and do something and yeah. do analytics with it and do other things? And then, right, so you're doing the same thing, essentially, only uh, except with, with invoice, with supply side invoicing data. Exactly. So and all having all that data in the river gives you an opportunity not only to complete all those transactions, but to say, what can we, how can we drive digital transformation with this 100%, because like, and I think as we were discussing earlier in our industry, we tend to have a bias towards the production and the geology. And as a petroleum engineer, I appreciate that, right? Right. But that, it's almost like we don't really pay as much attention to supply chain and procurement, which is a huge, huge opportunity to yeah. leverage digital transformation, to streamline those opportunities. We've got operators that l you may think of the scale of operations, even small size operators don't work with a few suppliers. They work with thousands and thousands of suppliers. Right. Without digital transformation, I mean, how are you, like managing that is just beyond. It's insane, understanding. right? Yeah, and that, and that's created opportunity for companies like we mentioned, uh, our friends over here at Data Gumbo who exactly. are here at the at the Canon, um, with the smart contracts and and things like that. But what but what you guys are doing is is a little bit different, right? So you're saying what kind of insights, much the way that we want to do analytics on production data or mm -hmm. drilling data or, or SCADA data from a refinery, you're saying what kind of insights can we get from this, uh, from, from, from the, the, the transactional data. financial information. So, so, what, so what's an example of some, like how, how does that, mm -hmm. um, and, and I want to get into like the, the like sort of the bigger picture of business because I think there's an interesting story here about what happened while the industry was sleeping and now yeah, it's waking up, right? Yeah. But, but just uh, what like, so what kind of insights are you getting from from invoice data? So, uh, so as part of the invoice, without making it sound too producty, but we basically have those three like segments within the product, right? There's uh, reporting, which allows you as an operator to look at your financial information. There's the indexes, which allows you to look at the market, and then the consulting services. 
And so as part of like a partnership with like the reporting and consulting teams, we've worked with a few operators and there've been some really interesting findings. Uh, we looked at an operator as they were trying to identify should I debundle my chemical costs or should I keep them in a package, right? Because yeah. if you debundle them, then the pressure pumper, rightly so, would charge them an extra charge because you're pumping a separate chemistry right. through their equipment, right? right? right. The thing is, it's very difficult to <laughs> compute which is cheaper because the math that goes into this, like yeah, yeah. 25 chemicals per well, you know, seven different types of completion designs and $3, $4 here, you know, it really creates a mess. So we quantified all of that information because of the data upgradation. Yeah, they were yeah. able to see that they were buying friction reducer from X number of suppliers at these ranges, these brands, what makes the most sense? And uh, that operator told us that, that that was the first time that the procurement, the engineering and operations team were able to sit at a table and talk the same language. <laughs> that is, that is uh, I, I, yeah, I mean. Because I, I converted, yeah. like we converted their like messy data stream to like, oh, this is FRXYZ product name. And you use this in this API number. This is how much you used. And this was the cost. Right. Right, if you right. use this product, this would be the thing. So then they could all talk about, oh, I need this chemical for this completion design. So that sort of really granular understanding and then being able to like just click a button and quantify the business impact on you know development cycles over the next six months, 12 yeah, months, yeah, yeah. 18 months. is. It's funny. Uh, so I, I, I say this from time to time, which is that um, anytime we have a discussion about any of this stuff, um, mm -hmm. about technology, digital, and oil and gas, it doesn't matter whether it's a, a discussion like this, it's a panel discussion, whatever it is, we're always going to end up talking about three things that are always going to come. It doesn't matter what the topic yeah. is. We're going to talk about data, we're going to talk about culture, and we're going to talk about silos. Mm -hmm. So you just hit two of them, yeah. right? You just hit the data and the silos. Like when, how often do people from different like areas or different functions, different disciplines actually get to sit down? It, it, that's a huge Absolutely. obstacle. And they'll like all sit together. The complete. We're like, gonna we'll get to culture eventually. Yes. I'm sure I'm, it'll it'll yeah. come up. It'll Definitely. come up. Yeah. They, then they all went for a happy hour after that. So yeah, that and, then, and, there's, and there's the culture. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, and that really helps because, you know, at the end of the day, you want to, I optim, the word is not maximize or minimize, it's optimize. And you can't optimize by keeping yeah. different parts of the equations in different meeting rooms. They all have to right, be right, in the same right, place. Right. Exactly. Cool. All right. So, um, good example. Let's, let's talk about, uh, when we were chatting earlier, uh, you mentioned that... Uh, so well, my 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 way of describing it is like the industry went to sleep, mm -hmm. went to sleep for for a year or so, yeah. and now it's waking back up. Rig counts are coming up, and everybody's scrambling. But what's happened in the in the interim is that markets moved, mm -hmm. right? Or aspects of how much things cost and whatnot. So so talk about that a little bit. Like what's what's because that's creating a huge opportunity for you to come and help people, right? Absolutely. So what so what what's the state of things right now as everybody's trying to ramp up their operations? It is it that that's really interesting and I, I think do, as the analyst in me is, you know, grateful that I have access to those indexes to be able to see because it's just exciting information to understand how the market's changing. But uh, those indexes that I mentioned earlier, where we use this information uh, and combine them in a you know through statistical processing uh, and to create market trends, and we can talk more about the statistical yeah. processing and detection. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what this tells me is that you know you see big price drops, for example, as a general theme across the industry in 2020. As expected, demand basically, as you said, went to sleep, yeah, yeah, and yeah. prices had to go down. I'm sure I had no friends in the services space, and I'm sure you do as well. There were companies who were signing contracts at a loss 
just sure. to keep revenue flowing. Right, right. right. But it wasn't a time for profit. But you see those price tests happening. A couple of interesting things. Gas basins, not as bad as oil basins. Huh. Again, makes sense. Okay. Appalachia also saw price drop. So did Aquatex. Not as much. You know, it went and then it was stable. Permian, Eagle Ford, just like in some categories, especially DNC categories, more so than LOE and production management. Just okay. Again, sort of makes sense. Um, right, right. What's interesting, though, is like as the industry is waking up, we have clients who've come to us and been like, we haven't had a rig for a year, and I'm not really sure what the right price is anymore. Yeah, right. I, I can go out and get like seven RFQs and then sort of figure out what I want. But that's going to take a long time. Yeah, but yeah. like w now as part of the indexes, because we are protecting the proprietary nature of the information, we don't reveal actual prices at all. Okay. What it tells you is just trends, right? Okay. So what it will tell you, for example, in the Permian Basin, 100 mesh sand, uh, we thought we'd all reached the bottom of that pricing in 2019. And right. then 2020 hit and it just went through right. the floor in right. the basement. Right, we're paying you to take it away. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so now, but in the last few months, it has shown some signs of recovery. Okay. It's not gone to 2017 levels, but it's gone out of its 2020 trough, right? And so what's interesting is that we've had operators, uh, some operators that we worked with in that region who were expecting 2020 prices in the 2021 development plans. Ah, Right. That's not going to happen because you know those companies can't remain bankrupt the whole time. They have to make money as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, but that recovery rate is also interesting to see. Is it at two percent a month, five percent a month? Is it expected to continue increasing? If it is, then I would like to sign a year-long contract at a fixed price. Yeah, sure, sure. I, it yeah. really helps you understand how you want to position your thing. So it's like it's like the same as when you're trying to choose your electricity plan, right? Exactly. <laughs> you're like, it is like exactly well, like that. what's happening on the you know yeah. like some sometimes some years uh, I say you know I want the I want the variable because mm -hmm. I know it's not going anywhere, yeah. right? And then some years I'm thinking no, it's it's moving, so I'm going to take the fix. And yeah. like then imagine having to do that across forty the categories and eighty right. subcategories. Right. Right, right? Yeah, so yeah. like that's where it so, does so that's a good point which is when we talk about and, and you mentioned digital transformation maybe maybe this this part of the business doesn't get as much of the glamour and the spotlight when it comes to digital but there's huge opportunity here i mean what would people have had to do if uh like 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 what's the traditional way of figuring this out like you said seven mm -hmm. rfqs and you just like hope for the best like, yeah what, and i've had customers tell me like okay Tell me if I do this, how is it better than me going out and just calling seven suppliers and figuring out what the price is? I was like, well, first of all, this is based on, you know, 50 million rows of your own data. Yeah, okay. Rather than seven conversations. Yeah. And he was like, no, but like we worked with those guys for five years. That's great. And uh, the idea is that you may still get the same conclusion from the data analysis and your conversation with the supplier, right? Mm -hmm. But what it does is it makes you much more sure of the decision you're making. Right? Yeah, yeah. And the other part of this is also that there is no context on how those prices have trended. Excuse me. <coughs> I mean, if you think about it from a perspective of the impact uh, those price trends are having on this uh, supply chain person, they would have had to look at their invoice data, which is a mess. Look at, here is how much I was on average spending with the supplier, which has a lot of assumptions in it. You don't look at the actual information. And then you know, look at the RFQs and make the best guess. Yeah. Now, yeah. some suppliers, I'm not saying some operators are a lot more sophisticated already, others are not. But by and large, uh, without digital transformation, it's a messy, messy process. Yeah. So, uh, people in this industry are are pretty smart about um, not doing things, like, especially during a time like this, right? No, nobody wants to, like, take, you don't want to take all the risk on yourself, right? Um, like, if you have a job, 
-hmm. you want to keep your job. <laughs> so why not use all the tools possible so that all the risk isn't on your shoulders when you make these decisions, right? Um, I mean, just, just from a, per like, I'm thinking just from a personal risk management standpoint, uh, do I, do I really want to be that person that says, no, 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 I know better. My gut tells me like, this isn't really the time for that, right? Yeah. This is the time to use all the data that you have and try to try to come up with the right At the end of the day, you're, if you're in the supply chain of the organization, you are going to be held accountable for that aspect, right? Absolutely. Would you rather not look at everything you can? Yeah. Before you make the decision. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So, um, all right, cool. Let's, um, so let's put that into um, some real context because you've been you've been working with some folks on this. Um, what what um, like what kind of results are? I mean, you've talked about it in the abstract a little bit. Like mm -hmm. I, I kind of get where you're going with how this helps, but do you, a, any good stories about what people have done and what is what it's done for them? So we worked for a permian operator, the same chemicals example that I gave you. We end up finding cost savings by vendor consolidation and identifying the right chemicals to use. Working with their engineering and procurement teams, saving them around two hundred to three hundred thousand dollars per frac job. So that's significant. <laughs> that's that's a lot. Yeah, that's per, a lot per frac job. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. And then they had their projections about like um, just yeah. just in just in better supply side transactions is what you're talking about. You, Absolutely. Like like we haven't done any like like operational no no changes. They're same completion design. Right. They're sourcing the chemical that they need. They had that open conversation with the suppliers. They're sourcing the specialty chemicals that they need. We are not trying, they're not, they're, the op operator did not go with the lowest cost supplier, by the way, just so I'm right, clear. Right, right, right. They're not just buying to buy a cheap product. They're finding the product that they need. Yeah. They, they were just trying to understand what all they have been buying, basically. Yeah, yeah. And they yeah. find the product that they need, and then they signed a contract with the operator, with the supplier, give them a bigger market share of their transactions which allowed them to get even more discounts from the supplier right. because you get a bigger chunk of the revenue, right? Right, right. And yeah, $200,000, $300,000, I think, across like two to four, four chemistries that they optimized with us. That, yeah, that's huge. Yeah. And, and, and that ties back to something that you mentioned. I think it was before we, before we turned down the microphones, but um, something which, which I've been saying a lot too, which is that the, the, the priorities in the industry have shifted yeah. over the last couple of years, right? It's not... Um, it, it's not about uh, the big new finds, mm -hmm. right? It's about how do I get more, how do I get more money out of the assets that I'm already working? Absolutely, and I mean, we made this joke with the operations team of that operator that we could give them a punch card with this. It's like with every ten <laughs> frac jobs, you get one frac job free. One day, yeah. You end up saving two, three million. Yeah, <laughs> and so that so that plays right into like I said, the economic priorities now are, I mean. I did a, um, there's an episode uh, of the tech show that um, I, I think it, I think maybe it came out this week or maybe it's going to come out next week um, w with Dean Murphy who, uh, from Inside Petroleum and we were talking about, um, and they've got some really cool stuff for uh, evaluating and, and forecasting reserves mm -hmm. and um, uh, something called combo curve yep. and amazing analytics and stuff like that. And, and but I kind of like I said, well, let's stop for a second because like, do people still care about reserves? Is reserves like I don't see anything in the news anymore about reserves. Mm -hmm. And of course, we talked about why why it is still an important part of the business. But but the fact is is that that's not where the spotlight's been, right? The spotlight has been on not not how do we and and you even have some companies like I think I heard. I forget whether it was, it was somebody, somebody senior level at Shell 
some months ago who said, well, we may have already found all the reserves we're ever going to need. So we can have a whole argument about that. Yeah. Right. But the point is, is like the sentiment is, is, um, how do we get more value out of the assets, either out of the assets that we already have, or maybe we need to reshuffle our portfolio and sell some stuff off and acquire some stuff. So that's why we're seeing a lot of M&A at the asset level. Absolutely. Right? And I mean, and M&A is another great example from a business impact perspective. Right. right. Uh, think, let's say you're operator A, you just acquired two small companies, right? Your supply chain organized. The reason you do M&A is you get better acreage, bolt on uh, acreage, and then secondly is economy of scale. Right, right, sure. You sure. don't need 20 people to in two companies to do the same job. You could do that maybe 25 people right, across right, both companies. Right. Now, you just got this uh, new set of suppliers that company A was working with. Yes, yep. And now you suddenly have an even more diversified supply chain stream. You have to look at 45 different suppliers. Right. And, you, uh, and most supply chain managers, at that point, one or two things would happen. They would talk to the other guy. The bigger company typically ends up, yeah, their yeah. supply chain takes over, or they'll just basically be like, all right, it, are you, have you been buying from just one or two guys? We'll just take your people, Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Uh, the problem with that is, like, you really don't know why you're making that decision. But, like, it's not also the supply chain team's fault. Like, if I did not have access to the digital transformation that this product provides, I would make the same decision. It's yeah. just messy, messy How data. Would you, yeah. Thousands of invoices flowing through it. How are you going to make that decision? Right, right, right. No, that's 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 a good example, and we see a lot of. I mean, it doesn't seem to be slowing down either. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, it's like it's like a monopoly board out there, right? <laughs> People are like, I'll give you this thing for that, and yeah. and um, and uh, and whenever we and we've done at OGGN, we've had a number of different. Like we did a couple of live streams and some other discussions about. M&A and deal value creation and things like that. Um, and uh, and here again, the, the spotlight and what you read in the news mm -hmm. is always kind of on the front end of these deals and what it means in terms of the total, yeah. you know, asset value and da da da. But like standing behind all that is a bunch of people who have to like figure out how to like blend those operations oh, together. And it's, right? it's, it's not easy because, you know, all of this information typically without the digital transformation piece or the analytics piece, uh, is done by accounting GL codes. Yeah, accounting yeah. GL codes, uh, as I think you alluded to are earlier, are exactly the same at every company. Right? <laughs> They're completely yeah. different in the company, and in fact, yeah. in bigger companies, they yeah. tend to just randomly change after like two, three years. Like, yeah, there'll sure. be a change in management. They're like, we need to restructure it. So then they don't right. map to historical data. Right. It's a whole, you know, uh, whole yeah. issue there. Or right? we just went on Ariba and we had to, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then you've got transformation shifts and like people moving on and off different platforms. So makes mu it much difficult. In fact, we recently worked on a pure play operator who acquired a couple of companies, and within their basin, across those three companies, them sourcing uh, propent, uh, the median price across those three companies for the last, I think, eight months was a 55% difference. Like within their subsidiaries, the most expensive purchase was 55% higher than the cheapest one. Yeah, for the same thing, from the same people. It's the right. same mesh size yeah. propent of the same type. Yeah, yeah, that that's... Um <laughs> now my point is if you yeah. if the the guy who owned the the biggest company in that transaction was the middle one actually right so if they had just forced it sure they would have found some cost savings but how much savings would they have left on the table on the table right right and, and that goes back to your point about about sometimes when we feel like no, no 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 like i like i know what i'm doing i've been working with this guy for for five years i know he's giving me a good deal right whatever that whole 
Yeah, but it's 55% higher than... Yeah, than what and I mean, like, on. many times I've had also worked with companies who've told us, oh, I know what I'm paying is above the market price, but I'm willing to pay 10% above the market price because of the service. I'll call him at 2 in the morning, and my stuff would be at my well site, right? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's great. I am not a supply chain expert. I'm a petroleum engineer and an analytics guy, right? right. What I want you to do is look at the rate and make sure you're paying 10% extra, not 40% extra. Exactly, right, because then it changes the, the value proposition, exactly. right? Yeah, it, it, cool. So this is good. This is good... Um, it's good stuff. Um, it's a, it is a part of the, it is kind of a part of the whole value chain that, um, you know, that it's that back office stuff, yeah. right? You know, it, but, but there's huge opportunity there <laughs> too. Like, like if you're saving two to $300,000 per frack job without even, without even changing the completion design, yeah. without even, uh, swapping out, uh, or changing your operations. Right. I mean, you're just, it's just, it's there on paper basically exactly. to, to be saved. And that, I mean, that's, that's that, you know, we talk about free cash flow. We tend to forget about that the expenditure column of the free cash flow. We're all focused on yeah, like, yeah. how do I get more money? And get, this yeah. week, we can't change this because oil price is 50 or 40. But like, the cost isn't still out of control to some extent, of course. But sure, like, there sure. are things you can do there. Excellent. All right, cool. Well, this is good stuff. I think uh, I'm going to check the, how we're we doing on time here. We're probably getting to that point. Uh, where we need to wrap up because otherwise people like start changing the channel. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll start saying the same thing over yeah. and over again. But w it would be good to uh, it'd be good to to to, to do a, maybe we'll do a tech show episode and dive into the analytics a little bit more Absolutely. because what we were discussing earlier that, that was very interesting. So audience, uh, if any of this was interesting to you, look for that. Look, <laughs> we'll we'll do more of the details uh, maybe on a tech show episode uh, what if somebody wants to learn more about uh what you guys are doing about this subject about you about like where we're uh, obviously uh, you're on linkedin i'm sure yes. and we'll put the links in the in the uh in the show notes uh in various but what else uh, what else can we point people to to learn more about this um you know the uh, inveris.com website has access to has the entire product suite there so or you can just search for open insights or uh, you know market indexes um and yeah, inveris yeah. and you'll be able to find You'd all find the Stuff, landing yeah. pages and everything that we've uh, created for this yeah it's funny because sometimes you know websites are so diverse sometimes it's yeah. hard to um uh i was i was uh so there's a there's an episode uh for the tech show coming out soon uh where i was talking with steve mathers from verizon and we were talking about connectivity at the edge and things like that and mm -hmm. at the end he said we'll go to the verizon website I said steve i'm pretty sure if i go to the verizon website i'm gonna get like something that's trying to sell me a cell phone plan <laughs> yeah, yeah. right like where like where specifically yeah. do i go so, and i mean within the inveris website to that point uh we'll find all this information in the business automation section yeah okay those are the cool. three silos that we and, and also let's not forget i believe that you had a you had a blog post uh, yes. about some of this right That's so true. we can put that in the it's a it's um i think i read it but i don't remember what it, co <laughs> what it, it covers it, it talks it's about a lot kind of, of the things all, that we have. all of the same stuff yeah. right? and you'll so. have some cool graphics in there to you know truly see visually what i'm talking about so. right cool all right good well thanks for um akash sharma thanks for making time today coming out in the rain here to the canon i i'm i'm gonna just uh we'll put all that stuff in the show notes i just got a couple things to say here before we wrap up, number one, uh, thanks again to our sponsor, Topcoder, for making all this possible. Um, check out topcoder.com. Or if you go back to the very first episode in this show, uh, it's with Clinton Bonner from Topcoder, uh, also a good friend of OGGN. And we talk about a lot of cool stuff there that you can learn about uh, open talent models. Also, um, if you're not part of this OGGN street team, this is a great time to get involved because they're actually like out on the streets again doing things. Yeah. And, um, um, and you don't have to be in Houston to be on the street team. You can, uh, we have street team members all over the place 
through the the miracles of modern technology. You can be a street team member anywhere. It's good. It's a good way to do something good. Do something for the industry. Do something for yourself. Uh, like I said earlier, get out from behind those Zoom calls. Um, I I thought you got to wear a cool hat, but I was just told that I don't think there. We I thought we had hats, but <laughs> but I don't think we I don't think we do. So anyway, look up Brian Mon on LinkedIn. B uh, uh yeah, you know how to spell Brian. M A H N is Brian Mon. He is the fearless leader of our OGGN Street Team. And uh, and that is going to wrap it up. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for today. Uh, also, uh, one one last thing is uh, a, a quick thanks to uh, to our audio fixer guy, Mr. Mac Roman, who uh, who always makes us sound fantastic. And he'll take out all those coughs that you were having oh, to thank you. that you were having to excuse your excuse yourself over. So thanks to him. Thanks to the OGGM production team. And uh, that's going to do it for today. Come back next week for yet another exhilarating expedition into the very real world of the best digital doers in the oil and gas industry. A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com. Oh,